Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Well, good morning, church family. Can you all hear me? Yeah, good, good. Good to be in God's house. I'm glad you made it uh, on our second cold day of the year. Uh, this is our winter day. I pull this jacket out once a year. I wear it one time, and then I put it back. <laughs> That's not bad for South Florida, right? I mean, we, we can deal with it for a couple of days, as long as it gets warmer, as long as it doesn't stay this cold. <clears throat> anyway, my name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. We are getting toward the end of a series that we are calling Level Up. Level Up. And for, for some chance, if, if you haven't figured out what that means, I've been defining it every Sunday. It's to enable a player or a character to go up to a higher level, gaining more skills and strength. And that's what God wants us to do, to go up to a higher level and getting stronger and stronger in him. Does that make sense? And so in order to do that, we've been focusing on the fact that there are several areas the Bible will have us to level up in. Again, most people are going to be focusing on their New Year's resolution, and it's going to have, they're going to be joining gyms, and they're going to be joining um, you know, places where they can lose weight and stuff along those lines. And the Bible does talk about physical training has some benefits, but it, it says, but godliness has benefits for this life and the life to come for this life and the life to come. And so I'm focusing on, or we're focusing on, uh, training in godliness. Amen? Amen? And, and, and with that, we've been looking at several areas. One of those areas, or several of the areas that we've looked at so far, was the area of worship or magnification. Worship or magnification. And we determined that we were planned for God's pleasure. We also looked at membership or fellowship because we were formed for God's family. Um, God did not call us to be uh, lone rangers or by ourselves. He called us to be part of a body of Christ. And then we looked at maturity, which is discipleship, because we were created to become like Christ. And last week was ministry or service. We were shaped to serve God. Now, I said that over, the, over this time that magnification, if we're going to put it in the area, how many like sports and Softball and baseball, I, I know I do. Um, if we're going to put it in that category, magnification would be the name of the stadium, the place in which we operate. And, and God has called us to, Jesus said that the Father is looking for worshipers, those that would worship him in spirit and in truth. That means it needs to be a lifestyle. It can't just be uh, a one and done, once a week sort of thing, or one, um, uh, Sundays and Wednesday operation. God's calling for those who worship him in spirit and truth seven days a week, okay, every day. And in that stadium, there's a field and on which we show the areas of commitments we need to make if we're going to level up spiritually. And again, I just talked about them, but it looks like this. It's on your outline as well. It's on the back of your outline. And so first base, <coughs> uh, keep that diagram up for a minute. First base, we said, was membership or fellowship. And if you're going to make it to first base, you're going to do a couple, three things. You're going to the first thing you're going to do is accept Jesus Christ. How many know that's where it all starts? Surrendering your life to Christ. That's where it all begins. There are so many people who, you know, they, they go to different churches and they join different organizations, 
and they'll figure out a way to join the church. And we have a backstage pass after this as well where we're inviting people to come and listen to the vision of the church. No, no obligation to join, but come listen to it. But there are people who want to join churches and they've not yet accepted Christ. How many know that if you, if you're, you could be a member of a church and still split hell wide open? Yeah, you can be. And so it's important for us to get to the place where we surrender our hearts to Christ. Again, first base is accepting Jesus Christ. And then follow up with believers' baptism. We have a baptism service coming up uh, in the next two weeks. And so uh, if you've not yet uh, been baptized, sign up for that as well. Jesus called his disciples. In fact, that is the public witness that he calls us to, to be baptized. That says, I'm not ashamed of, of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of being associated with Jesus. And then you join a church, okay? You, you, you join a fellowship somewhere. That's how you're going to start to grow and mature into the things that God's called you to be. Uh, if, you, if you keep separating yourself out from being a part of other believers, you, your, your spiritual fervor, your spiritual fire will start to go out. It will start to, it will start to diminish. And so the want to is, is going to leave. And so, that, and, and so we want to join the church, which brings us to second base or maturity. Again, that's committed to attending that church, all right? Committed to some of the disciplines of the Bible, which is reading his word, prayer. Oh, when you read his word, listen, you just can't let it go in one ear and out the other. It's a difference between being a casual Christian and a committed Christian. I heard a great example on the way, uh, illustration on the way to church today. The guy said, there are, there are those who, who claim that they are followers of certain uh, um, football teams and, and, and let's say the Bills, right? Uh, yes, I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a committed to the Bills. And then you ask them, well, what do you think about the last game? Well, I really didn't watch the last game. What do you think about the game before that? Well, I didn't really watch the game before that either. <laughs> well, what do you think? How, how are they doing all, uh, overall all, the whole season? Well, I, I don't know. I don't, you know. I'm not really into, you know. But I thought you said you were committed to the, to the Bills. Well, yeah, I'm committed to them. Well, we, we'll do the same thing with our Christianity. We'll say, yes, I'm a Christian and I'm committed to Christ, but we don't follow through with anything that even looks like a, a commitment to Christ. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so part of that commitment to looking like you're, you're, you're actually in it would be, you know, uh, com committing to God's word and, and, and jumping into life groups and, and, and committed to, to growing in the graces of God. And then there's third base, ministry or service. If we're going to level up in this area, we're going to understand that God didn't just call us to sit. He called us to serve. And, and there's really only one thing that you need to do if you're going to get on third base with, in this area is you're going to find an area of service, whether it's with the children's ministry or the youth ministry or, 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 the, or the technical area or, or, a, or a ministry that God has called you to. I used to go into the prisons. I used to, I used to go preach out of the street. Whatever God would open up the door, okay, because... Jesus made a statement. He said, the greatest of you are not going to be those who are going to be served. It's going to be those who serve. Amen? And so we're going to find a place of service. And then uh, um, the, the one we're talking about today 
is missions, missions. I want you to write that down. Understanding that we are made for a mission. This is home base. This is rounding third base, and now we're going home. And if we're going to level up in this area, so as not to overly complicate it, there's really only one word you need to remember. Write it down somewhere. The word is go. Go. We saw it on the video. And we get that from Matthew 28, 18, Jesus speaking. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, help me out, somebody. Go. Therefore, help me out again. Go. Go and make disciples of who? Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Was Jesus serious when he said, when he, yes. when he gave that? Yes, he was. He didn't tell us to, to form a holy huddle. He didn't say sit. He didn't say stay. He didn't even say pray. He said to, to go. And he told us where, tells us where to go and who to tell. He says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. In other words, you can write this down. Go everywhere and tell everyone. Go everywhere and tell everyone. Now, we've been hearing a lot about mandates over the last few months. Mandated to do this and mandated to do that. And some states are more uh, restrictive than others in terms of what they're trying to force people to do or encourage people to do. But you need to know that there is a, there is a holy mandate that we see in the scripture. A holy mandate that is heard in at least three places in the word of God. That mandate comes from above. In Matthew 28, we just read it. But it's also recorded in Mark's gospel, Mark 16, 15, Jesus speaking. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Friends, it's, it's literally Jesus' final instructions given to the church before he ascends. Go everywhere and tell everyone. A sentiment reflected in his, in, in his comments in Acts chapter 1, which is also a mandate. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be, help me someone. You'll be what? My witnesses. My witnesses. Doing what? Silence. Telling people about me everywhere. everywhere. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, we've covered this before, but just a reminder, Jerusalem was where they were living at the time. Judea and Samaria were the surrounding cities or provinces. And the ends of the earth is what? Everywhere else. And so, if we were going to put that in perspective here, our Jerusalem would be Fort Lauderdale or where you live, where there's Western or Cooper City or Coral Springs or, or Tamarack, that's your Jerusalem. And then, then you have your surrounding cities that, that we all know that surround us, and then we have our surrounding counties, Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, and, and multiple other counties that are also surrounding cities. These are our target areas. And then when you're done with that, he says, I want you to go to the rest of the world. Now, before I go into the second and third places where he tells us to go, I want to camp out on the concept of this first one. He says, you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. Now, what's a witness? 
the definition of a witness is a person who sees an event take place. A person who sees an event take place. In other words, you were there, okay? And if they called you as a witness, you could tell them what you saw. He's not asking us to be a prosecuting attorney or a defense lawyer or, or even a judge. A lot of people want to be the judge or defense attorney. He says, all I'm asking of my church is to be a witness. Telling people about Jesus doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. You just have to testify of what the Lord has done for you. Can anybody testify anything about what God has done for them? Come on, somebody. How he saved you. Did he wake you up this morning? Come on, somebody. Did he fill you with his Holy Spirit? Has he brought you through any trials? Come on, somebody. Has he sustained you and provided for you over the last few years? All you have to do is testify of what God has done for you. Come on, somebody. David testified when he was facing the giant. He says, listen, I know I can take this giant down because the Lord has used me to take out the lion and the bear. And so because I've been, I, I, I was able to have victory over the lion and the bear, I know I'll have, I'll have victory over this uncircumcised Philistine. What has God delivered you of? And whatever that is, I dare say to you that that is your testimony. Now you are a witness. And we all can have, be a witness of something that God has done for us. Something that, some way that God has moved in our lives. Sometimes that's my best message. I just can come up here and just talk about what God has done. Amen? And the goodness and the provisions that he's made over the years. The things that he, is, he, he has uh, saved me from and the things that he has brought me through. And then what do you do? Once you have your testimony, you, you don't keep it to yourself. You share it. Romans 10, 13 through 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him, uh, him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone does what? Tells them. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And so the instructions to go and tell, it comes from above. Jesus himself is the one telling us to do it. But it doesn't only come from above. We know that, it, that the instructions to go and tell comes from below. And what's below? Someone say how? Jesus tells this place, and some people say, well, Pastor Rick, it's not, it's not politically correct to talk about hell. Listen, I'm going to talk about hell because Jesus talked about it, all right? And he tells us a story. He, he tells us a story of a man named Lazarus and a rich man who found out the hard way that, that, that none of his riches meant anything in hell. He couldn't even buy a cup of water, a, a cup full of water to, to satiate the, the, the pain and the thirst that he was feeling in hell. Luke chapter 16, it says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every, every day. And his gate was laid at a beggar. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Well, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And folks, we're all going to die one day. Listen to me. The time is coming for all of us. I don't wish it on us, but I know that's the 100% rule. 
100% of us who are born will one day go leave this planet. And so the time came for the rich man, and the time came for, for, for Lazarus. And the rich man also died and was buried. And where was he? It says in, hell, in Hades or hell where he was in torment. He looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Now let me tell you something about hell. Hell is a prison. It's not a party. There's people who say, well, I want to go to, I want to party with, I want to go to hell to party with my friends. You're not going to be a party in hell. There'll be no parties in hell. The scripture says this man ended up in hell and he was in torment from the word go. It says in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony and I'm in fire. And so, so he's basically begging. So for some reason, he could see Lazarus off and say, please, just have him take a, take a, take a tip of his finger, tip it, and come to me because I am so thirsty. Just that will give me some. And in so many words, uh, Abraham told him, no. The separation, none, no one could come from here to there, and no one could come from there to here. Once you're in that place, let me, let me tell you something. There is no purgatory, Okay. There is no purgatory because he says once you're in a particular place, that's where you're going to remain. You're either going to be with God or eternally separated from him for all eternity. And so, so Abraham basically told him no. In Luke chapter 16, verse 27, he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Now listen to me, folks. Not only does the mandate to go come from above, from the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. If we could hear them, the, 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 there would be a deafening please all around us coming from below as well. Those who stepped into eternity without the grace and the forgiveness of God on their life, and they stepped from this life into a life of eternal torment. Please that would say, I'm in torment, and, and, it's, and it's late for me. And, and, and having ignored the Moses and the prophets in the word of God, they're now saying, please, someone go tell my family. Go tell my mother or my sister or my father or my brothers. Go tell my wife or my husband or my business partner or my friends. Listen to me. Hell is a permanent place of torment that no one needs to go. The scripture literally says it's not, Jesus, the, the Father says it's not my will that anyone should perish, but everyone should come to repentance. But unfortunately, there will be many in hell, many in hell, people who refuse to listen to even, even the one who God did bring back from the dead and who can speak with authority on the issue. And his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. He's the one that God raised up from the dead. And the reason they don't listen today is because they're too busy, too busy running here and there, too busy trying to 
had their stock, their, touch, their, their, their careers and their, and their stocks and, and, their, and their portfolios, too busy trying to do all these things. You know what I always say for people who are too busy for God? You're just too busy. If you're too busy for God, you're just too busy. So the mandate to go is coming from above, but it's also coming from below. But let me tell you, it doesn't stop there like the video suggests. It also can be heard from the world. Acts 16.9 says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Not understand what's happening here. Paul is praying as to the direction as to where he's supposed to go next. At nighttime, he gets this vision, and it's this man begging him, please come to our area. We need help. So what did Paul do? Does the scripture say he fasted and prayed for another few years before he went? Did he decide to consult with the church committee and talk about the pros and cons of missionary work in that area? Did he consult the company to get the demographics to determine the cultural impact of a mission trip to, to, to Macedonia? No. Acts 16.10. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready. Help me out, somebody. At once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Wow, that's revolutionary. The call came for Paul to go, and what did Paul do? Turn to someone and say, he went. He went. Now, let me tell you something. Macedonia wasn't down the street from him. And understand that the issue of traveling back in those days wasn't like today. Today, we can get in our air-conditioned cars and and air-conditioned airplanes, and today, okay, it won't be air-conditioned. It'll be heated, but it'll be nice and padded, and, and we'll, and, and, or, or, or planes, trains, and automobiles, and we can get from point A to point B quite comfortably, I, I might add. Back then, everything was literally on foot or camel or horse or something along those lines. They, they'd have their occasional boat, but it wasn't all that comfortable. And still they managed to go. Now listen to what happened as he went. In Acts chapter 16, verse 11. From Troas, we, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Sumatres. And, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who were gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when, uh, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she, she invited us to her home. In other words, as he is going, he, uh, he's having these opportunities of people he's not met, but God is opening up the door as he's sitting down and talking. They're opening up their hearts, 
and they're receiving Jesus Christ, and they're not just stopping there. They're, they're following up with baptism. She went on to say, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home, at my house, and she was, and she persuaded us. So Paul and his companions are traveling all over the place. They're preaching the gospel, and they're telling anyone and everyone who would listen about Jesus. And when you get to the, that's the line where they're going, where they went all over the place, ended up in Macedonia. Now, at the end of that chapter, Paul and Silas, you need to understand, as they were preaching the gospel, they run into some challenges. Matter of fact, they got thrown in the jail. And why did they get thrown in the jail? They got thrown in the jail for casting out a devil from a demon-possessed slave girl who was a fortune teller, who was following them around, saying, these men are from God, listen to them. These men are from God, listen to them. And the Bible says after a couple of days of this, Paul got irked in his spirit because who wants the devil testifying for you? Come on, somebody. And he turns and he rebukes the spirit and he commands it to leave. And in that moment that spirit left, the, 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 the owners of the slave girl realized that their chances for profit because they were making money off this girl just went out the window they got so upset with, with Paul and Silas that they dragged them before the, the magistrate. They whipped up the crowd, and, and, and they ended up being severely flogged and thrown into a prison. The Bible says it in a prison with their, with their feet chained to the walls. Now imagine this. You hear the call of God in your life to go and to preach, and, and you're going and you're preaching, and in the process of your going and preaching, and you're doing what God tells you to do, preaching the gospel, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. Now you're in prison for doing what God's called you to do. Now, the Bible says at that moment, it was about the midnight hours. Now, how hard have things been for every single one of us over the last year? What would you do in that situation? Most of us in that situation would start, Lord, where have I gone wrong? What have I messed up at? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And we'd start to, you know, complain. But that's not what Paul and Silas did. As they were chained to the wall, innocent thing, and they were commit, the, the jailer was commissioned to watch over them. As they're chained to the wall, the Bible says they start singing to the Lord. And they start worshiping in that night hour. And the scripture says, at the midnight hour, as they were worshiping, and I'm thinking, singing? Who's going to sing at that moment? But they knew something. As they started to sing, and the scripture says, an earthquake suddenly hit that jail, and the, the jail gates flung open, and the chains fell off, not just of them, but all the prisoners who were listening. And the jailer who was sleeping in the back woke up at that moment. And when he saw that the jail, the, the jail doors were open, he, he took out his sword to kill himself. Because in those days, when you were responsible for a prisoner, if you let that prisoner go, it was a life for a life. And he knew he was a dead man when he saw all those gates open. And Paul in the dark, said, don't do it. We are still here. 
And the man who had fallen asleep to Paul and Silas, singing hymns, ran into and fell down at their feet and said, what must I do to be saved? Took him out, dressed their wounds, got baptized, him and his whole family. And these are the things that are happening as Paul is fulfilling the mandate to go into all the world. God miraculously delivers them from their prison cell, and people are getting saved. Now say, one chapter later. Say, say one chapter later. One chapter later, we're going to find that there's a riot breaking out in Thessalonica. In Thessalonica, when Paul and his companions had passed through effort and Pipholus, they say, just say it fast, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on, and on, three, on, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and to rise from the dead. Speaking of Jesus. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have come here as well. Now listen, I love the way the King James puts it. It says, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Listen to me. Everywhere Paul went, radical change was taking place, and they were described as men, men who didn't just show up and sit, but men who turned their world upside down for Jesus. Oh, my goodness. That is my prayer for all of us, that we won't just be a bunch of what I call status quo, pew-sitting, going-through-the-motion Christians, but at living water, those who are here, those who are listening online, that we will level up this year. Someone say level up. That we will level up this year, get serious about our purposes before God, and in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the darkness, in spite of the midnight hour, because our God is still in the deliverance business, amen, that we will level up in the area of magnification and worship and living a lifestyle for him in the, in the area of, uh, of, of membership and belonging, that, that we weren't you know, we're not here as lone rangers in the area of maturing that we would do the things that we need to do in the area of ministry that we are not just going to sit, but we're going to serve. And in this area of missions that we would hear the call from above and that we would hear the call from below and that we would hear the call from those around us as well to, to, so that people can hear and know that Jesus loves them. Amen. The story is told about a one-legged school teacher from Scotland. His name was George Scott, who applied to a missionary sending agency to offer himself in missionary service to China. 
And they said, why are you thinking about going as a missionary in your condition? And his response was swift. He said, sir, as I look around, he says, I don't see people with two legs going. And they accepted him. And he went on to the mission field. Listen to me this morning. The mission and the mandate are evident for all those who have ears to hear. He says, go everywhere. That means wherever God has opened the door for you, whatever your sphere of influence is, I don't care what it is. If you're a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker, if you're a mechanic, if you're a teacher, if you're a lawyer or a businessman, God has opened up opportunities just like Paul and Lydia to share the good news of the gospel. Who are those people around you who there's a Macedonian call going out that they absolutely need someone to tell them about Jesus? And we are of the mindset God is going to send someone else. You are the someone else that God has sent. I am the one that God put next to my neighbor. You are the one that God put next to your neighbor, your friends, your family. And you can either clam up or you can show up for God and be his witness. And again, it doesn't have to be anything more complicated than what has God done for you? Pastor Rick, I don't know what to say. Make a list of what he's done and start talking about that. Has he put your marriage back together? Come on. Were things on the rocks before God showed up? Has he provided a job for you? Anybody in your family been healed or delivered? Has he been sustaining you all this time? All those are inroads to you talking about and telling people about Jesus in your life. So I'm asking you to level up and don't pass those things up, even to the point of inviting them to church. Invite them and let them hear about the good news of Jesus. The call is all around us. The answer is, the, the question is, are you going to answer the call? Will you be like the prophet Isaiah that says, here I am, send me. A reminder, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in, Jeru in, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How many would say, Lord, I want to be used by you? How many would say that? How many would say, I want to be used by you for such a time as now? Well, folks, let's, as we come to a close, and I'll have more to say after this prayer, 
It starts with a personal relationship with Jesus, but it doesn't end there. God's called us to go, to be his hands and his feet. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I say something like this, Lord, use me. Open my spiritual ears and my spiritual eyes to the harvest that's all around me. You said the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Lord, I volunteer for the labor force to level up in this area. Come into my life, come into my heart. From this day forward, Father, I surrender my life completely to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.